As David comes to read the scripture this morning, what's amazing about all of these folks is they talk about, again, we spent the whole summer talking about daring greatly. They not only dared greatly, but they talked about their mentors, those that helped them move into a position of being able to dare, of making those kinds of changes, of, to some extent, every one of them created something new and stepped into something new and changed the world, changed the world, literally, by taking those things on. That's what this scripture des- describes, and it was one of Wesley's favorites. This is from Paul's letter to the Philippians, verse, uh, chapter 3, verses 10 through 14. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the sharing of his sufferings by becoming like him in his death. If somehow I may attain the resurrection from the dead... Not that I have already obtained this or have already reached the goal, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own, his own beloved. Beloved, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. Holy wisdom, holy word. Well, today is the first day of this study, this new study about our Wesleyan heritage and particularly about John Wesley. And I'm going to show you a film clip this morning, and it's from one of our favorite films, and particularly Cora's, our, our 17 year old's favorite film, which is our favorite musical, which is Lame is Rub. This is right at the beginning of the movie. And it's basically setting the tone. Jean Valjean has already um, kind of left prison, and I'm inviting the choir to step down um, so they can see it. But this may be 80 years after Wesley, but what you're going to see in this clip is exceptionally important because this is what those in this time faced every single day. And what I need you to notice in the clip is What do you see in the midst of this? Basically, it's a tunnel. And what I want to do is read you the words of the music that's being sung, and I think it will help as you watch this video. Wesley chose to respond to what we're going to see. These are the words of the song. It's called At the End of the Day. At the end of the day, you're another day older, and that's all you can say for the life of the poor. It's a struggle, it's a war, and there's nothing that anyone's giving. One more day standing about, what is it for? One day less to be living. As the end of the day, you're another day colder, and the shirt on your back doesn't keep out the chill. And the righteous hurry past. They don't hear the little ones crying, and the plague is coming on fast, ready to kill. We're one day nearer to dying. At the end of the day, there's another day dawning. And the sun in the morning is waiting to rise, and the waves crash on the sand like a storm that will break any second. There's a hunger in the land. There's a reckoning still to be reckoned, and there's going to be hell to pay at the end of the day. The other thing to remember is that it was a group of young adults, literally young adults, in their teens and in their 20s who decided to respond to what you're going to see in this clip in France in that day. And as much as they didn't succeed the first time, eventually they did. 
because they chose to respond. Now let's see what you see in the clip. interact in this service, but I want to ask you, what did you see in that film clip? What did you see? What was it, Flo? A lot of poverty. What else did you see? Disease, anger. Jeff? I saw prison. Prison. The door slammed shut. And what happened as Russell Crowe's character was riding through? Did he stop to help them? No. Now, what did they, what did they do? It's like he didn't even see them. He, they ignored him. And friends, what I have to tell you is that was the response of the church at that time. What's amazing is to look back on some of those things of the church at that time and the phrase that kept coming to mind for the church at that time as they were dealing with this kind of poverty, this kind of disease, this kind of situation was, you ready for this? They were religious but not spiritual. That was a phrase that came out over and over and over again in that time. The church is to be religious, not spiritual. We are not to respond. We are not called to respond because if we become spiritual, then it takes away from that Anglican tradition. But let me remind you of what that Anglican tradition was in Wesley's time, is that if this were the Anglican church, every one of these pews, particularly in chairs, these rows, would have a lock on the end. And on the end of that lock, on that doorway that would allow you into that pew, was a name for the rich family who purchased that pew. And the closer you are to the front, the richer you must be. <laughs> Alan's going like this. <laughs> you would purchase pews. And it was gated, and that's what they called it. It was gated, and only those certain people were allowed to sit there. It sounds a little bit like some churches that I know, where everybody has their place. But they were gated. And friends, the other thing to tell you, there was nowhere in that church anywhere for the poor. They were not allowed to be in there. And so guess what they thought about God? They thought God was only there for the wealthy. They thought God was only there for the royalty and that God was really theirs. That literally 
was the time. If you were active, if you were responding, if you were having fun, if you laughed, if you sung anything other than the specific hymns that were called for in that church, you were to be ostracized. Ostracized. The church was rigid. And every single day, everything that you saw in that tunnel the disease, the poverty, every day people would have to walk around that or step over it in order to get to church. Wesley believed that he could change it all. And so he began this process of trying to make changes in the church and it began for him at Oxford. And he thought, he he bought into the fact that it needed to be methodical. He got up at 4 a.m. every morning and spent an hour in prayer and that was before the hour he spent, the hour he spent in scripture study And then three days a week he would fast. And everybody, he believed that everybody needed a method in order to really feel the presence of God in their lives. What I will tell you also is he was a miserable failure at the beginning of his ministry. A miserable failure. Until after he goes to um, the Americas and he fails in mission work there, and he comes back and he fails in trying to get this thing going on, a, on, a, on an evening where he just did not want to go to church. He goes into this little tiny chapel on this little tiny gated street in, in England. And he, and he goes to church and he sits in the back. And he hears the pastor going on and on and on about this preface to Romans. But something happened to him that day. And he would say he was filled with a power unlike anything he had ever experienced before. And the phrase that he used, many of you have heard this over and over and over again, was that his heart was was strangely warmed. And after that phrase, if you go out and look on that wall and you'll see it, I realized that Jesus was more than just a figure out there. I realized that God was more than something beyond myself. I realized that I, even I, he said, was loved by God. And he began a different journey on that day, filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. He began to try ministry again. And this time, with that as his guiding principle, that God was there for all of us, guess what happened? Revival. Revival happened. Now, here's the deal. What's so easy for us is to forget that we live in a time where, you know what, we need this too. I looked at the paper this morning again, and, and I read about Mark Driscoll. And here it is on the front page of the Seattle Times, and it's all about, I mean, they're writing about the failure of a church. And my heart goes out to Mark. I may disagree with him on some theological things. I disagree with him on his approach to ministry. He is a brother in Christ. 13,000 people found a home in that church. 13,000 people who were looking for answers found it at Mars Hill. And it's got to be just incredibly difficult for them right now. And that, that body is still looking for answers. And we need to pray for them and embrace and surround them as much as we can. And for those who choose to leave there, what if we became a place that they could come and find some answers? But lest we believe that we are in a time that is different from what you saw on that clip, 
I said it to first service, I will say it to you, I was tempted not to read this list because it can be overwhelming. But I hope that film clip was overwhelming. Lest we believe that we're in a different time. What was last Thursday? What did we remember? What was the date last Thursday? 9-11. And we were reminded again that there is violence in the world. That's one. We keep seeing and hearing about the emerging ISIS violence in the Middle East. And how will we respond to that? Here at home, over and over, it just seems we're being, we're being just bombarded, literally, by, by the, the amount of gun violence that seems to be emerging over and over from both sides of the equation in the world. And how will we respond to that? It broke my heart a couple weeks ago to see in the paper the thousands of children who are literally being incarcerated, bless you, incarcerated in Thailand. I saw some of those children while I was there. And the only reason they're being put into jail in this overcrowded refugee camp is because they're fleeing the violence of their neighboring country, Myanmar. And how will we respond to that? You look at the Ebola outbreak that began in Southwest Africa and seems to be emerging. How are we responding to that? I gotta tell you, I, you know, I read an article in USA Today about the wealthiest cities. And guess what, friends? We're one of them. And what is, a ma- what, is, what is happening is this incredible divergence between the wealthiest and, and the most poor. And how do we respond to that? Last week, I sat with two folks. There was more than two. One set of people and one business owner in Bellevue. As the march was taking place here in Bellevue to try and get a $15 minimum wage, I met with a young business owner And I said, what would this do to you? And she said, it would absolutely put me out of work. And then I met with three young adults, all of whom work in those places. And I said, what would this do for you? It would save and change our lives. We would no longer have to work two or three jobs in order to survive. And how do we respond, friends, to any of that? And that was all during the time where this whole issue with Ray Rice, NFL, And the video that was caught of him hitting his wife in the elevator and Roger Goodell, who gave him a two-game suspension initially, knowing what had happened, a basic slap on the wrist for this multimillionaire, premier athlete. And thank God that the response has gotten much, much more intentional to that. And then, day before yesterday, the whole idea of Adrian Peterson, one of the top running backs in the country, for the Minnesota Vikings, who took a tree branch switch and beat his four-year-old son because that's how he grew up and injured that four-year-old child. And how do we respond to that? We think, we want to think that we're beyond what we saw in the video clip, but we are not beyond it. People are looking for answers. They're looking for a place where they can find hope. They're not looking for, I mean, the problem with giving you that list is then we start feeling guilty about the fact that we're not necessarily responding correctly to it. That's not why I'm giving you that list. I'm giving you that list because part of our heritage as a United Methodist Church is to respond. It is part of our heritage to respond. We are not all of one mind, but what Wesley is trying to create in this time in church history was community. 
where we could come together and pray together and support and love each other together no matter our age. Whether we're 15 or 17 or 90 or 95, that we can come together and build community. That we can have our hearts strangely warmed by a God who desperately loves us and a Christ that gives power beyond anything we could ever ask or imagine. And yet, particularly in the main line, we have a tendency to shy away from those kinds of words. But there is a power in Jesus Christ, friends. And Wesley knew it, and we've seen it, and it's why we're sitting here today. But here's the deal. Responding as Wesley would have responded doesn't mean that we come to church and get hammered on and feel guilty and walk out of here depressed every Sunday. That's not what this is. And that's not where we're headed this year. Where we're headed is revival. It is to come to church and get energized and have focus and create community so that we can be charged to go out by the power of God to respond to some of these things. And not just alone, but together. Wesley felt that there were four things that needed to guide everything that was done. Amazing that we also have four things that guide us as United Methodist Church. And by the way, that's not the new sign out on Newport Way. It looks dismantled. They brought in the new signs. If you haven't seen them yet, they're up. Um, the other three. But the new sign is coming. They made a mistake on it. They've taken it back. They're redoing it and bringing it back in. It'll be up this next week. But friends, man, four things that guide us. For Wesley, it was Scripture. That's absolutely foundational. Everything has to depend on that. Everything. It has to be defining of who we are and what we do. Second is tradition, looking back at the early church and bringing that forward and how do we implement some of those things today. And how do we then, number three, experience this faith and experience this work together as a body. And fourth is you don't have this thing above your neck for no reason. We don't check our brains at the door here. We study and we dig and we explore and we make decisions as a body because reason has to be a part of what we do. For us, we say it a little differently here in those four words of Aldersgate, a United Methodist Church, growing in faith, love, health, and service. Did you know that Wesley wrote a medical book? I had no idea. I've been around this stuff for a long time. I read it. His, his responses to some of the medical things of that time are bizarre at best. <laughs> but that was the experience. I mean, thank God we don't bleed each other anymore. But he believed in health as a piece of this. And so we're going to learn more about all of that throughout the year. Bottom line is, we have an opportunity here in this community for revival. We do. There are people around us everywhere who are searching for a place that, that, that has hope and joy, and love, and, and, and oh, by the way, we don't need to be Anglican. We can laugh in church. We can have a good time, and it's what people are looking for at every level of their lives. That's what we're going to be doing. One of the ideas is we're going to put a tent out on the grass some Sunday morning. We're going to have a revival out on the lawn. I don't expect many of you to be there, but, <laughs> but we're going to try it anyway. And the idea was, let's go do it in a park someplace. I said, oh yeah, great, we can all be arrested. 
But we're going to have some fun in the midst of this. We are. I am excited. I am as excited about this series as I have been about any time in any church anywhere. To begin to explore our roots, we don't need to be a dying church. No church needs to be dying. I don't care your denomination or your flavor. Because God will take, Rich says, I'm going to use yours, and I'm going to use Hannah's. God will take us as we are. As we are. And what I need to do is just turn these over. God will take us through the power of Jesus Christ. Take us, sorry, take us where we are. And if we open ourselves up to that power, can create incredible beauty out of even us. That's where we're headed this year. That's why the cedar... Oh, it smells good. Excuse me, I'll be with you in a minute. Thank you, I'm back. So friends,